0: Have you ever given someone the silent treatment? I heard about a couple who had an argument, and they both stopped speaking to each other. The problem was two days into the silent feud, the husband realized he needed his wife's help. He had a business trip the next day in Chicago, and he needed to wake up at 5 a.m. to catch his flight. And his wife was always the one who made sure that he got up on time and got out the door. And so he didn't want to be the first to break the silence, so he he wrote a note to her and placed it on her nightstand. And it said, I need to be up at 5 a.m. Please wake me up. The next morning, he woke up, realized his wife wasn't in bed, and realized even worse, it's 9 a.m. And he's furious. He's missed his long since departed flight. He's going to miss his important business meeting. So He's about to go find his wife and ask her, why didn't you wake me up when he sees a note on his nightstand? And it said, it's 5 a.m., wake up! Exclamation point, exclamation point, (laughs) exclamation point. (laughs) Sometimes people give you the silent treatment. And whenever you're on the receiving end of the silent treatment, it can make you feel isolated. It can make you feel lonely. It can make you feel frustrated. If you're going through a particularly difficult time... it can make you feel hopeless about your situation or about your relationship. And times of silence can even make you question whether the other person cares for you. And while it's difficult when people give us the silent treatment, it's even worse when we feel God has given us the silent treatment. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, chances are you know what it feels like to feel that God is a million miles away. To wonder if your prayers are getting past the ceiling. To wonder why other people around you are talking about what God's doing in their life and God's revealing new things to them, but you, it seems like God is giving you the silent treatment. I've heard people over the years who were going through very difficult times say in one way or the other that I just don't feel God right now. I don't hear God right now in my life. One lady I'm thinking of had just buried her child Another person that's made a similar statement to me uh, was a teenager whose parents suddenly separated and eventually divorced. And this teenager said, my whole life is upside down. Where's God in all this? Another person was struggling to make ends meet. Financially, they were hurting. They had lost their job after years of faithful service. But sorry, we must downsize the company. And this person felt like God had let them down. Where's God? I've cried out for a new job. I'm crying out for help. But I'm just not hearing anything. I'm not getting any direction at all. And listen, if you're a Christian and you haven't yet felt that, just hang on. I don't want to discourage you this morning. But if you live long enough, you're going to go through some times in your life where God seems silent where your, your prayer life seems cold, where you come to worship and, and you don't get the thrills and chills up and down your spine through the music and the sermons not always attend. And you go home just wondering, God, have you forgotten me? Have you abandoned me? Are you mad at me? Have I done something wrong? God, where are you? In fact, sometimes we express our frustration this way. God, why don't you do something If you really care, why don't you do something in my life to help me in this moment of struggle and despair and hopelessness? God, why don't you do something? And if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here because I think one of the myths that people have about Christians is that our lives are perfect and that our faith is perfect. And that we never go through struggles or ups or downs or we never have questions or doubts or fears. And so if you're not a Christ follower, maybe you're here today just checking this thing out, trying to figure out what you believe. I think God wants you here for a reason too. I think God wants you to hear that Christmas is where your story intersects with God's story. Because Christmas reminds us that God's silence should not be confused with indifference. God's silence in those moments where we just feel that maybe God is not close by does not indicate his indifference. God is still here. God is still with you. God still loves you. God is still at work even if you can't see it. And Christmas reminds us not to confuse God's silence with his indifference. I'm going to take you to a verse of Scripture that most people don't use at Christmas, but I think is a perfect Christmas passage of Scripture. It's in the New Testament book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He was writing to Christians in the city of Galatia in the first century. And he was wanting to encourage them that even though they're hurting, even though they're struggling, even though they're being tested... To keep their faith in Jesus. And so among other things, he writes to them in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Paul's referring to Christmas. He's referring to the incarnation of Christ. He's referring to the birth of Christ into this world. And Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come. You see, God didn't send his son into the world until just the right time. From the book of Genesis in the Old Testament to the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, there are over 300 promises from God through His prophets that God would invade human history with His Messiah, with His anointed King, who would set Israel free and who would change the world. And yet for hundreds of years, the people of Israel waited for that promise to be fulfilled. And actually for 400 years from the close of the Old Testament to the dawn of the New Testament with the coming of Jesus, there was silence from God. I don't know if you know that, but between the Old Testament ending and the New Testament beginning, there were 400 years that passed by. And in those 400 years, God did not send a prophet, God did not send a message. God did not speak to the people of Israel for 400 years. In fact, many people call those the 400 years of silence. In old days, Bible printers would often print a blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament to symbolize those 400 years of silence. And you can imagine how after 400 years of God not speaking to the people of Israel, that they became weary in waiting. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't wait well. I don't like to wait. I mean, I, I'm one of those weirdos that doesn't really like Disney World. You know, I just don't, because I don't like paying a lot of money to be crowded with a lot of people to stand in line and wait for a long time for a ride that's over in a minute and a half. I'm just weird that way. Now, even Disney, though, has finally... Uh, stepped in and tried to make it easier for people who have to wait. Uh, So if you're in this long line, they now have fast pass. That means don't wait here. Go over there and wait and then come back here. Uh, So that's fast pass and get you a little closer. And even if you are in a long line, they now put signs at certain junctures along the way that says, this line will end at this time. You'll finally reach your destination at this period. You've only got two more days in this line. So it just kind of gives you a little hope to know that even though I don't feel the line's moving, it's moving. We're going to get there eventually. But for 400 years, God didn't give any signs. God didn't give any miracles. God didn't send any prophets or any preachers to Israel. And they became weary in waiting. And so Paul says to the Galatian Christians, Don't you realize now looking back that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son in the fullness of time and there are three there are three activities that i think we need to be a part of in moments of silence when we feel that god has gone radio silent i think there are three things we ought to do first of all in the silence you must trust that god is still at work in the silence you must trust that god is still at work that's what the song Waymaker is about that even when I don't feel him, even if I'm not sure, I know that he's with me. I know that he's working. And in the moments of silence, you must trust that God is still at work. Those 400 years were not just empty years. They were years filled with activity. Because history is really his story. And God was orchestrating the events to be just right for the appearing of his son and for the gospel message to go forth. Think about some of the events that happened during those 400 years from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New. One person that you probably recall learning about in history was a man named Philip of Macedon. Most of us really know his son far better than we know Philip of Macedon. We know his son, Alexander. History now calls him Alexander the Great. Alexander became the ruler of the Greek states when he was only 20 years old. And by the time he was 30 years old, he had conquered the whole known world of his day. Historians say that that Alexander became depressed when he realized there were no more worlds to conquer. Now think about this. Alexander wanted to rule over his vast empire that stretched as far from Greece to modern-day Pakistan and India, and all of these different cultures and all of these different religions and all of these different languages were now under the umbrella of his rule and his reign. And he wanted to be able to communicate with his people. And so what he started doing is he, he instituted a plan to promulgate Greek philosophy across his empire, Greek education, across his empire. Greek religions and even the Greek language. Even after his untimely death, his reforms continued and eventually the Greek language became the universal language of the known world of that day. That no matter where you came from across the empire, you could learn and speak and do business in the Greek language. By the way, eventually the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures were translated into Greek by Jesus' day, the Septuagint, your New Testament, written in Greek. Something else happened in history during those 400 years. Eventually, the Greek Empire was eclipsed by the Roman Empire. Caesar ends the Roman Republic And becomes the dictator of Rome. And is eventually assassinated in the Ides of March in 44 B.C. His adopted heir named Octavian becomes Caesar. And in A.D. 27 is named by the Roman Senate Caesar Augustus. The same Caesar Augustus that you read about in your Christmas story. One of the achievements of Caesar Augustus was he helped bring about a peace where there were no major wars for the next 200 years of Roman history. Many skirmishes, uh, different campaigns to expand the empire from here to there, but no major wars that impacted the common person across the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire built on and expanded the Greek Empire, including using the Greek language. Another thing that uh, Caesar Augustus did is he helped institute a massive road-building campaign. In fact, all over the Roman Empire, roads were paved in order to make commerce and travel easier and also to get uh, Roman soldiers from here to there a lot quicker and a lot easier to maintain control of the empire. Roman Empire even stretching as far as Britain. When I was in England and Jeff and I, Jeff Shattuck and I were uh, traveling this uh, country lane, it was kind of a curvy road and he made the comment, he said, well, most of our roads are like this out here in the country. If you ever find a road that is absolutely straight for mile after mile, more than likely, it was built by the Romans. He said, we still use many of those roads that they built in Britain. You say, Pastor, thanks for the history lesson, but what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? What in the world does this have to do with me and my time, of feeling that God is one million miles away? Well, I'm actually glad you asked. Because don't you see, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. There was a king far greater than Alexander the Great who wanted to communicate with his people. There was a king far greater than Caesar Augustus who wanted to spread a message throughout his empire as quickly and as rapidly as possible. There was one far greater than Caesar Augustus who wanted to bring peace to the world. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, came at just the right time, born at just the right moment in history, that the message of the good news of God's love could be spread far and wide and people, no matter their background, no matter their ethnicities, no matter their religions, no matter their native tongue, could hear the gospel and read the gospel in the Greek language and the 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 Lord Jesus and His disciples could travel on roads paved by Romans to go and spread the good news. And even after the resurrection of Jesus, the first century Christians spread throughout the Roman Empire from one end to the other, reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. In a matter of 300 years, changed the whole world. What am I telling you is in The silence. You must trust that God is still at work. You remember John the Baptist? The last prophet of the Old Testament? Who came at the beginning of our New Testament to to herald the coming of the Messiah? to, To preach repentance to the Jewish people? Get your heart ready. God is sending His Messiah. Remember Him? He's the one who was baptizing Jewish people who were accepting and getting ready for the Messiah. And he sees Jesus one day, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Remember him? That same John the Baptist who said, I must decrease while Jesus must increase. The same John the Baptist who baptized Jesus in the River Jordan. After having been so instrumentally and powerfully used by God in his kingdom, John the Baptist eventually ends up in prison because Herod hated him. Actually, Herodias, Herod's wife, hated him because he preached about adultery uh, one day and ends up in prison. And he knows more than likely he's going to be killed. And he starts wondering, where's God in all this? This is not how I thought it was going to work out. This is not what I expected. And John sent a word to Jesus Ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or do we need to look for another one? Because this is not how I thought life would work out. Jesus sent word back to John. He said, go back and tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are being raised. And even though John languished in prison and eventually was beheaded for his faith in Christ... It was Christ's way of saying to him, John, in the moments of silence, you must trust that God is still at work. And even though you can't see God at work in your life, look around. God is still at work in the world. And you're going to have to just trust me. And I think that's where some of us are today. We may not be able to see God's handiwork right now in our life like we want to, but in the silence, we must trust that God Is still working. Secondly, in the silence, you must trust that God keeps his promises. God is a promise-keeping God. And all for 400 years that the Jewish people could do in those years of silence was to go back and stand on the promises of God. That's all they had. But they had to have confidence that he is a promise-keeping God. We're in a military town, and I've never served in the United States military, but I'm honored to pastor a church where many of you have and do. And, And I can't imagine what your life is like. There's been a few times in the last 25 years that I have talked to some families, and I remember one in particular, his wife said, yeah, my husband's being deployed, but his mission is such that I don't know where he's going. I don't know how long he's going to be gone. I don't know when he's coming back. I said, that's got to be hard. I mean, that has to be difficult. She said, yes, it is hard. I can only imagine that maybe, maybe that wife, maybe that wife would have sat down the night before her husband is deployed for God knows where and God knows how long. And maybe she just wrote him some little love notes. One for a day. Maybe she hid him in his stuff. So that when he gets where he's going, that he suddenly discovers these, these notes that she's written him. One for a day. I can only imagine how encouraging that must be to get a letter from home. And for 400 years, that's what the Jewish people had to do. They had to just stop. Go back and read those letters that God had given them. Cling to the promises of God. Promises like Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. God says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Or promises like Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. God, where are you? God, why don't you do something? God, why aren't you hearing our prayers? God, why won't you send the Messiah? And in those moments of silence, we must stop and trust that God is still working and trust that God keeps his promises. One day, these promises will be fulfilled. What about for us New Testament Believers, We too must cling to the promises of God. Promises like Romans chapter 8 verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. That not everything in my life is good. But God you can bring good out of it. And I know you are at work. And I claim the promise. Or promises like Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God, I'm going to hang on to the promise that what you began, you will complete. I will not be like that building on I-4. There will be a completion. And the ultimate promise of God that we must cling to Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. This has not happened yet, but it's a promise of God. And we have to cling to the promises of God. Go back and remember the last thing God said to you when you feel that He's silent and just hang on to that. Cling to that. That is why when we gather on Sunday mornings, the songs that we sing are inspired of Scripture. It is why whenever we come together as a congregation, I dare not stand up here and say to you, well, it seems to me, and give you my latest opinion. No, we open up this book and we hear, thus says God. And it is why when you leave this place, you have to marinate your heart in the Scriptures, reading them daily So that you can hang on to the promises. Because sometimes that's all you're going to have. Even Jesus, hanging on a cross, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know what he was doing? He was quoting Psalm 22, verse 1. You know why he quoted Psalm 22, verse 1? Because that was exactly what was happening. God the Father was forsaking him so that God the Father could forgive you. But Jesus also knew how Psalm 22 ended. He knew that on the other side of groaning, there was going to be glory. On the other side of a cross, there's going to be a crown of righteousness. And he ends his life, his time on the cross, By crying out, Father, into your hands, I trust my spirit. What was Jesus doing? In the silence, he was trusting that God was at work and that God keeps his promises. Now, there's a third truth and a third activity that we have to do. But let me read a scripture to you first. It's it's one more lesson that we can learn in the silence. We learn it from the Old Testament character named Job Job was a real man. Job was a real person. In fact, scripture says he was righteous. This is a man who loved God, who raised his family to love God. And yet, if you know anything about Job, you know he suffered more than most people ever will. He watched as his children died, he lost his family fortune, became destitute. Even his body was racked with sores and sickness. Because he was being afflicted by Satan. All he had left were three accusing friends and a wife who said, "Why don't you just curse God and die?" That'll bless your heart right there. I wanted to have a wife like that. But in Job chapter 23, verses 8 through 12, Job describes how he felt. He said, "I go east, but he, God, is not there. I go west." But I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north where he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. Job was keenly aware of God's silence and seeming absence. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but he knows. But he knows where I am going and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's paths, I have followed his ways and not turned aside, I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Job says, In the silence. You must trust that God is at work in the silence. You must trust that God keeps His promises. And in the silence, you must trust that God is strengthening your faith. That God can change you as He leads you through this time of testing. And on the other side of it, you're going to be more pure than gold that's been refined by fire. This doesn't mean God put this test on you. Sometimes tests come because we live in a fallen world. Other times God allows tests because he knows it's the only way we're going to learn how to be strengthened in our faith in him, our dependence on him. And Job says, in the silence you must trust that God is strengthening your faith. God's allowed you to go through this test. So do what Job did. Stay on God's path Follow God's way and do not turn aside. Obey God's commands and treasure God's word every day because that's all you have. I remember in school, whenever test time would come, and I guess you remember this as well, that sometimes you'd get pop quizzes. Hated those. But I guess it defeats the purpose if they tell you they're coming. Those pop quizzes show up. The teacher says, I need you to clear your desk, put everything under your desk. Just all you need is a number two pencil. And then the teacher passes out the test. And he or she tells you how much time you have to complete this pop quiz. And then the teacher will go back to his or her desk and sit down. And during the test, the teacher typically stays silent. And if God seems silent to you today. It may just be because you're going through a test. He's still there. He still cares. He still has a plan for your life. He still has a purpose. As a matter of fact, He's with you as you take this test, and He's helping you by strengthening your faith. And one of these days, He's going to break His silence, and He's going to make sense of it all, And he's going to put the puzzle pieces of your life together and say, don't you see when this happened, here's what I was up to. Don't you see when that occurred, this is my plan. Don't you see when that person did that for evil, I could bring good out of it. And then we're all going to say, it makes sense now. But in the meantime, it just feels like a test. And in those moments, we have to trust that God is at work. He keeps his promises. And he's strengthening our faith so that we're going to be better on the other side of the test. Here's here's a verse of scripture, though, as we close. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets He's referring to the Old Testament. And now, in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. That's Jesus. So today, if you're feeling God has gone radio silent, you need to really be reminded God has spoken loud and clear. And He says, look at my Son. Trust Him. In your times of silence, just know I'm still working. I keep my promises, and I'm strengthening your faith. Keep your eyes and your ears of faith on my son, Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the stillness of this moment, we thank you for this reminder that even when we feel you were silent, you were still at work. You still keep your promises. And you still use all the troubles and trials of life to strengthen our faith. And God, we can look to Jesus as the great example of that. He went to a bloody cross clinging to the belief that you were still at work. That you will keep your promise that his soul would not see destruction. And he went to that cross knowing you were strengthening his faith. And Father, because of Jesus' example, we too can know that we can put our confidence in you. Thank you that this Christmas season is a reminder that your silence is not to be confused with your indifference. You love us, you care, you're active, you're with us, but you're teaching us to trust you. And Father, I pray that right now in this moment, each one of us would say, dear God, Thank you for loving me that you will never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And when I can't see you at work, when I can't hear from you like I want to, I can always look to Jesus and I can know that you've spoken your love over me, your plan, your purpose, your grace, your love and mercy over me through Jesus. And I will trust you by faith just like he did. Father, there could be someone in this room who needs Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that if that's the case, that right now in the stillness of this moment, they would admit to you their sin. They would place their belief in Jesus, your son, and let him be the Lord and Savior of their life. And they would confess him today because Jesus promises that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And your word promises Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, God, for that promise. May people turn and place their trust in you today. And we'll praise you, God, for the difference you make in all of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I love you guys.